All right. Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday and welcome to another episode number 64 of Ricardo Sturdivant's Tuesday Feelings. Today we're live on the Reinventing the Tattoo YouTube. We're live from all sorts of places. So let us know in the chat that these streams are working, whether or not it's Facebook, YouTube, or if you're watching or listening to the podcast on Spotify or wherever you enjoy your podcast. Um, another place that you guys can watch us anytime would be reinventingthetattoo.com. You can see all of our upcoming events as well on our YouTube channel or set reminders for any of those things as well. We have a lot of stuff happening daily. Uh, besides today's event, what you missed yesterday was pretty cool. We started early at 9 a.m. with Drawing for Tattooers led by James Wisdom. Later on in the morning at 11 a.m. Uh, was the Tattoo Weekly with myself, Jake Meeks, and Gabe Ripley, followed by yesterday evening, we had Robbie Rapol's Feelings, and uh, another evolution class that is happening every single Monday at 9 p.m. Um, right here on Tuesdays. Otherwise, Wednesdays is our business roundtable at 1. More information, again, is on our website at reinventingthetattoo.com. And Thursday evenings is Tattoo Collecting 101. We also have Jason in the house again today who leads the Skill Building Sunday Drawing Group every Sunday at 1 p.m. Beyond that, we have a lot of cool things that we're going to talk about today. I uh, I'm excited to be here because I know last week we streamed in from Jiminy Peak where Jason and I were, which is a really cool needle jig event. If you guys would like to look up any of those uh, seminars that you missed, you can go to www.virtualtattooconventions.com. Other than that, let's go ahead and kick off uh, today. Ricardo and Jason are here. Gentlemen, Good how's morning. Going? Good morning. Good morning. Going pretty will well. Be a little bit short today. Um, heading out to, to support one of our tattooer friends who lost his son. So um, yeah, the community will um, has been really, really good in coming together for him to, to support him and um, as we usually do, but yeah. Yeah, good luck on that drive, man. I hope everything goes well for you today. Um, it'd be better to uh, meet and greet with each other under better circumstances, but it's good that you can be there for him and stuff too, so. Yeah, I know that the um, the tattoo community in and around central Wisconsin has done um, various like tattoo events and things like that for them that I know has been really, really special, but obviously there's no replacement for that time with your with your child, but I am proud to see that that's happened for them. Yeah, absolutely. It's good that the community can pull together through some kind of some tragedies like this, you know, mm -hmm. definitely helpful. Yeah, I was telling you earlier that he got to go to Red Tree this year. His son was 16, and we brought him to Red Tree, and to see him just looking at Bob, like, trying to understand that love for the craft, and I swear he sat in there for hours just watching Bob tattoo my leg, just staring at it, just taking it all in, and it was so cool, and um, Jason was there, too. It was pretty cool. That was It was cool that you got to meet him and have that experience. That was great. Yeah. I always love seeing budding young artists like completely fascinated by people that they really look up to. And it's like, he's been doing it for a while. You're going to do it for a while? I think mm -hmm. you are. Mm -hmm. You know, and just seeing what kind of an impression that can make on people that are still coming up, they're still pretty fresh and green. Like when Elaine was there, um, Elaine from Detroit, she was another person that was there, uh, Elaine Narowski. Um, I just worked the Resurrection Island Tattoo Convention with her. Watching her at that Bob Tyrell seminar was like, it was enlightening because I didn't realize how much of an impact inviting someone to an event like that would have. You know what I mean? Um, 
people that know people in those kinds of positions, people that become friends with these artists that are functioning on a higher level, you know, we are with Guy, um, other people that I've recently met, uh, Fast Alley, for example, um, they're friends with Philip Liu and Jeff Gogway. Um, you know, two people that I really, really deeply admire as well, you know, and being invited. I know that if even at this point in time, if I were invited to sit in a room and watch these guys tattoo, I would soak it all in. I would totally fanboy out, first of all, because I do that a lot. Um, I know. I, I'm, yeah. My, my inner 13-year-old came out. Oh. Ricardo number two is in the house. How are you today? Ooh. Uh, Jason, I don't want to interrupt, but I absolutely agree with what you're saying. Like to see, not yeah. only to see Elaine, she was pretty open about it. Like she, she talked about those things um, and the impact that it had, uh, just watching a specific impact. And then you see her tattoos and you're, uh, you can see it. You can see the transformation happen. You know, when you apply what you've learned, it's crazy. Good things happen. Right? <laughs> But uh, everybody, uh, I can join on my phone in a little bit. If you, you know, if you need anything from me, just let me know. But I am happy that everybody's here together today. Mm -hmm. Yep. Thank you for uh, for hosting, and thank you for getting this started, Lauren. Appreciate it. Yep. You guys take care. <clears throat> Safe travels. So, Jason, how are you doing this morning, man? Uh, pretty good. That's good to hear. Yeah, well, I mean, you know me. When am I ever not doing pretty well? You know. <laughs> hey man, I like not, it. Not not trying to chew my own horn, but I love my life. Yeah, it's pretty radical, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I get to be friends with this really awesome artist named Ricardo. <laughs> Flatter me, man. Yeah. I do that a lot <clears throat> because I believe it. Thank you. Yeah. What's, but, um, um, did you uh, do anything for um, for Halloween last night? You mean besides scare myself every time I looked in a mirror? <laughs> but I mean, I do that on a regular basis anyway. So um, that's why all of the mirrors in my house are covered. Um, no, I didn't really do anything, man. I didn't really dress up or anything like that. You know, I sat out, got my chair together, grabbed my iPad, you know, got like a little table together, got my whole like trick or treat station set up on my front porch and just handed out candy for a couple hours until it really started to rain pretty heavily. Oh, okay. And then, um, then I was like, you know what? There's no one on the street anymore. I'm going inside. People can ring right. the doorbell if they want candy. Did you get any ringers? Did you get any people ringing the doorbell? Not after... No, I was sitting outside from like 5.30 till 7. And like wow. no one stopped by after that. Yeah. I did yeah. do something a little different this year, though. So for all of the parents that came up to the door to like bring their kids up and grab candy and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I actually went out to the liquor store because here in Pennsylvania, we have separate stores for liquor and beer. Don't ask me why. It doesn't make sense to me. Just it's like that in Utah, too. Yeah, it's like a, a state-controlled kind of thing. But mm -hmm. um, I actually went out there and I got some of those like little airplane bottles of like booze. 
um, yeah. that you can get for like 50 cents. And, yeah. you know, kids would come around for candy and I'd be like, okay, so for the parents, I have, you know, this bucket. And mm-hmm. um, they got to pick their own little airplane bottle of booze because, I mean, I figured they have to deal with the kids all night. So yeah. <laughs> you're going to need something to help you out with that, right? Because when, when these little kids get on sugar high, oh, you need something to like help keep you calm. Yeah. So. Definitely, dude. Keep them from, uh, or, or like taking their costume off or something. You know what I mean? It takes a little while yeah. sometimes. So, yeah, it's yeah. Just a little something to say, you know, hey. Sorry if there's extra noise, guys. Uh, but it was just a little something to say, you know, uh, I appreciate what you do, even though I don't have kids and I don't know what it's like. I appreciate what you do. Right. So have you um you been working on anything fun lately? Um not really. I mean not that not that I don't think every tattoo I do is absolutely awesome because it is. Even when yeah. you have to do the same wolf in the woods for the 50th time. <laughs> um it's still that exciting because I know it's the most special tattoo that you have ever wanted to get in your life. It's so meaningful. We had uh, James it's so meaningful. Wisdom. You had to show me a picture on Pinterest that you wanted. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because it's really it's, unique to you. Once I saw this, it just it like resonated with me so hardcore. This is exactly what I've been looking for. Yeah, right. Not that you know, twelve million other people don't already have that tattoo. Mm. Well, you know, I, I always say that at this point. You're most likely going to get something that somebody else has. Right. You know what I mean? So well, this comes back to something that I brought up to you a little while back. And it was about, um, I forget which philosopher came up with the concept or like this idea of um, uh, a reflection of a reflection. Uh-huh. Right. Okay. So everything, I think it was Aristotle. I could be wrong though. But basically, everything that we're doing is basically just a, a reflection of, a, of something being reflected that, you know, something greater, call it your higher power, call it God, whatever, that something greater created, right? Yeah. So we see, you know, chair is invented, right? Chair is invented. We don't know who invented the chair. Maybe some smart person out there does, but I don't know who invented the chair. Um, I would like to meet that person if they are still alive, because I think it is a great invention. Um, yeah, thank you for that. That's very comfortable. Yes, I, I do appreciate your contribution to the world as we know it. Um, but, you know, chair was invented. Okay, great. People made paintings of chairs. Those paintings of chairs were photographed. We see photograph online. We draw chair from photograph of painting of chair, right? So now we're at three levels removed, right? For someone to get tattooed. So now we're tattooing 
the drawing of the photograph of the painting of the chair. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they're inevitably going to take a picture and post that online. So people are going to see a photograph of a tattoo of a drawing of a photograph of a painting of a chair. Life imitating art, art imitating life, circular motion. (laughs) Right. So like, The question then becomes what original thoughts exist, right? Because out of all of the people in all of the world throughout all of time, how many people have had the same possible concept or thought? Yeah. But I mean, that gets into a very, very deep, very lengthy philosophical question, right? Well, there was this um, study, I can't remember, about monkeys washing off sweet potatoes on some island. And uh, they had been doing it for a couple generations. And they started seeing these uh, monkeys on other parts of the continent that were not in contact with those other monkeys starting to do the same thing. You know what I mean? So it's like this, like, uh, there's got to be some kind of like stream that we're all connected to, I think. Well, there's definitely something bigger that all that connects all of us. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, we have James Wisdom, Ali Kriska, and Kyle Olson in in the room in uh, YouTube. Uh, Ali Kriska was commenting on your your treats that you gave out for Halloween. She said she's going to your trick or treat at your house next year. <laughs> you are more than welcome to. I still have a few left over, by the way. I've got um, Smirnoff raspberry. Smirnoff orange, <laughs> uh, peppermint schnapps, uh, two and two things of peach brandy, which wow. I actually pulled out of the pile for me because I like sipping on brandy every now and then. Mm. So. Nice man. Um, but yeah, so that that's what's left over out of like I got a couple of whiskey, a couple of scotch, a couple of rum couple of tequilas, um, you know, some, some regular non-flavored vodkas. I basically went in there to like the discount bin and said, all right, I need a few of these, a couple of those. Uh, oh, these are on sale. Yeah. Give me a handful of those. Uh, give me a few of those and a couple of those. Right. Yeah. And it was a hit. I think it was a hit. So made a few new friends that way. Which was nice. Nice. They're probably thanking you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I had a couple of people that were like, "Oh my God, this is the greatest idea in the world. Why don't more people do this?" And it's like because most people are out taking their kids out trick or treating. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, but I had such a long day yesterday; it was ridiculous. So I I went and did the entire lawn, soup to nuts. Um. Which doesn't sound like you guys might be thinking like, oh, yeah, that's not a big deal. But like for me to do my lawn, like in totality takes a few hours of just like nonstop doing it. So, but I was exhausted by the time um, like I went back inside from handing out candy Mm -hmm. and I'm like, cool, I'm going to sit down in my recliner. I'm going to get like 
you know, a 45 minute nap and then I'll be good to go for class. Yeah, that didn't happen. Nope. 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 I do it all the time, dude. Yep. Yeah, so needless to say, it was a rough evening last night as I woke up at like two in the morning. <laughs> Not able to go back to sleep anymore. Yeah. Yeah. No longer. Well, I woke up in my sleeping. recliner at midnight and went upstairs to lay down and actually go to sleep. And then couldn't get back to sleep. Like it, it was two in the morning. I remember that. And I was like, why am I even kidding myself? Yeah. Spreading the witch. Let me pull this screen up real quick. <clears throat> See if I can't get this thing going. This is what we worked on last night in class. Osnag? Um, yeah. Right on, dude. What is better like that or like this? It's better like this, right? Can you see more this way or is it better the other way? It's not changing anything. It didn't change the screen? There we go. Okay, is that better? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe my Wi-Fi is still catching up. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're working on some Biomax stuff, some Posneg. Um, we're talking about covering the whole front of a body. Have you ever done You've done it before, haven't you? Mm-hmm. A couple of times. Yeah. It's always an adventure. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't really like to acknowledge the first few that i do sorry for the people that i know out there that are wearing those but um i definitely knowing what i know now i i should have done them way differently and way better uh i think you Um, just have a different concept of it though right uh it's not like the tattoo isn't good it's just the the right composition i would have approached the entire thing differently i would have constructed everything differently um I would have done a lot of things differently. Right. Just mostly like what, like the layout, you think? The composition part of it? Yes. That, yeah. That's a very large portion of it. Because, yeah, sure. and I mean, it's a little bit different when you're talking about, and I, this is something I learned recently. Um, it's a little bit different when you're dealing with the contours of the female torso than you are dealing with the contours of the male torso. Um, If you look at the muscle structure of the male torso, you see a lot more very hard edges Mm -hmm. and it's a lot more flat and geometric Mm -hmm. um, with just the way that it's constructed, right? Female torsos tend to be a little bit softer and have a few more natural curves to them. Uh, I'm not saying that there aren't curvy men out there. Um. Which there definitely are. Some of us tend to be more of a round shape. I know I am. And that's okay. Um, But, you know, females generally have curves in much different areas in much different ways. So laying out a, a large torso piece for a female can be very difficult. Because not only do you have to think about ways that things overlap, you also have to factor in curves and roundness. 
you have to factor in, okay, where does the belly button play in, right? Because that can be an ultimate determining factor. Mm-hmm. And if you can incorporate that, cool. If not, like, what are you going to do with it? Because now you're creating a natural shadow, right? Same thing with the curve of the bust line. That is going to create a natural shadow. And you have to factor in how that's going to affect the image that you're applying. Um, and there are some people out there that have really mastered, you know, they've just really done a great job of mastering using natural anatomic occurrences, things like the belly button or like the crook of the arm, right? Um mm-hmm. You know, they've absolutely mastered the way that that stuff works. Yeah. Yeah, it's always good to kind of like take nature's nature's uh, rules or nature's like um, influence and kind of like accentuate it more than anything else, right? Like you're not really wanting right. to fight it. I mean, I have seen some some asymmetrical designs that are just fucking killer. You know what I mean? Like, don't get me wrong, but... The better part, though, even those asymmetrical designs are kind of still, they're still complementing the flow and that angle of the body. Right. So I totally agree with you there. And it's it's definitely something that you have to kind of like keep in mind whenever you're just starting to design the composition. Um, mine was definitely like this female torso, like focusing on not covering up the, the nipple area. You know what I mean? Right. I wanted I wanted to like kind of encompass it. And then everything else just kind of like started cascading out of that. <clears throat> you know, you get these like angles that work out really well. Yep. <clears throat> Which I'm I'm actually surprised because speaking of angles, I like what you did with the sides of the skull. Oh uh, here. This area right here? No, how it kind saying? of tapers in and then flares back out, how you create that natural hourglass shape. Oh, right yeah, at yeah, the yeah. Midpoint of the sternum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kept thinking about like how it's going to like kind of cup that, that boob area. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And everything is just based off this very simple geometric kind of pattern. Right. That little arrow shape that you just created with the two curves and then mm-hmm. the um, the pointy part connecting both portions of the curves, mm-hmm. that is, yep, and the same thing up top. Those are, like, that is an absolute critical layout yep. for female torsos. If you do not to- have that kind of a shape in there, it's, it's not going to look right. It's not. I agree completely. That that's true for like the male form too. I think that if you were allowed like this one with this curve here that you're pointed out, like a bum down by the bottom of the snout and stuff like that, you know what I mean? I think that definitely helps with like breaking up these these straight angles and things like that, you know. But um it, it definitely it, it like influences. Well, it gets things like that, they'll get real tricky depending on the size of the bust, right? Because the bigger the bust is, and the more that um, 
the anatomy ways, because I'm not trying to get flagged on YouTube, uh -huh. <laughs> um, the more overlap of that part of the body there's going to be, right? And that's going right. to obscure certain parts of the image. So you would have to factor that into play. You can look at shapes a lot, and it that's what helps your basic composition. Uh -huh. But you really have to, especially for female torsos, you have to start factoring in how is you know, the different size of different parts of their anatomy going to factor in, right? right? But And that's something that you don't necessarily have to factor too much into doing a male torso. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, obviously gravity doesn't really affect right. her chestal region quite as much. The chesticles? Um, yes. <laughs> So we don't necessarily have to factor. We have to factor in, okay, well, how defined is their pectoral muscle? What kind of a shadow is that going to create? But we don't necessarily have to think about, okay, if this overlaps this part and obscures this part of the body, how is that going to factor into what we design? Right. Yeah. I think that that's a major influence on it. You know what I mean? I think that that's, um, it's going to make or break a, a design. It's going to make or break a good tattoo from a bad tattoo. It's going to be the difference between the two of them. I mean, I know when I was first starting out, I would, you know, do a tattoo, uh, you know, like really close up, I'd be zoomed in on it. So to speak, like hyper-focused on an area. And then when I would stand back and look at the tattoo being the size of a softball, there's so much detail in the whole piece that it just started to look like a blobish kind of shape. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So like you lose all the detail and everything like that once you do that. And they're because because you're not focused on the uh what was it zoomed out kind of effect that it has, you know. Yeah, I think that also comes down to um the artist's intention on observational distance, right? Observational like distance. how far away do they want someone to be when they view this piece? Yeah. You know, because with large scale pieces, you have to be standing back a decent distance in order to capture the whole thing. Mm -hmm. you, you physically cannot be right on top of that tattoo mm -mm. and expect to see the whole thing. It's not, right. our eyes are not built like that. No, you know, that's one of the reasons that I love charcoal or like uh, real loose renderings and paintings and things like that, too. Man, it's like there's a guy named Chris Guest that, um, and even like some of the older Sean Barber stuff where it's like you get in on it, man, and it's still very, very chunky, you know what I mean? It's like it's very um, impressionistic, I guess, or, or suggestive, right? I guess is the right way to say it. You know, where like from a distance, it looks like a photograph, you know, it can take on the effect of a photograph, like it looks so real, but then the closer you get to it, you still see these like brush strokes and stuff like that. And you know what I mean? Like the, you can see the bristles of the, of the brush, like in effect on the paint. And sometimes there's even like, um, like, uh, a layered kind of effect from the paint on top of other dry paint and stuff, even, you know, or like really wet paint just kind of chunked in there and it's. It's so magical to me, man, to kind of like see that, dude. Like, I love it. 
And I wish you know that who I was would... notorious for doing that. Who's that? Caravaggio. Yep, Caravaggio. You got it. That's exactly it. Yeah, he, he's that dude's a man. I love his stuff. Definitely one of my largest, definitely one of my largest inspirations. Like the like hands down, all every time that I'm like, okay, what do I do? How do I do this? So definitely bust out the Caravaggio book and just kind of like take some peeks at the the images. You know what I mean? Absolutely. We talked about that a little bit last night as like far as breaking away from reference and stuff like that too. And I think it's one of the important things that I, I meant to mention. I didn't get a chance to say, I think I might forgot, but now that we're on the subject of influence and things like that, it's referencing in, in our art. You know what I mean? I think one of the good ways to kind of like break away from it is to sit down. And if you have access to the book or you have access to it online, so just flip through it real quick. You know what I mean? Flip through it a couple times, but from the back to the front, just kind of let the pages fall like pretty fast and then go a little bit slower, maybe one more time like a even slower pace. Put the book away and then sit down and start drawing. You know what I mean? Um, I think it's a really good way not to be kind of um, bound to the exactness of what it is that you're trying to replicate or not replicate, but um, suggest, I guess, is the right way to say it. You know, because like, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's some, there's some really good artists out there that can take an image and just replicate it entirely. And you're like, man, that's flawless, dude. Like, you nailed it, you know? Talk about but, jealous. Uh, uh, yeah, tell me about it. Good morning, Amber. How are you? Good. How are you guys? We're doing, doing good. Well. Yeah. Really well. You know, I've been doing then, this image you're showing. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that very much been working on it i worked on it a little bit more after we got off the class last night and uh figured i'd kind of play around with it today i'm really inspired by it and like it, this is one of my this is one of my weak points is like all this textual stuff so i'm really trying to give myself room in this in these looser areas where if i was to yeah. do this tattoo it'd be a fun way to kind of like dissipate it you know without it ending so harshly with all these like little craters and stuff like that in there it does look very natural and very, I don't want to say green in the color green, but green as in natural and organic. Right. Well, thank you. I mean, yeah, the color for sure, like has an influence. I think uh, uh, one of the things that Jason's always said is when in doubt, black and gray it out, right? Like yeah. you can take this, you can take the color out of it and start to see some of the, the black and gray, gray values. And I think it still seems like it's, Got the same kind of effect. This area up here towards the top looks a little light to me now that I see it in the black and gray version. Um, yeah, exactly. These... Switching Actually, my images to it. black and gray is helping me a lot with the fact that I don't push my darks dark enough. Oh, that's one of the things we all struggle with as tattoo artists, isn't it? So, um, and that's something that's actually talked about in the reserve chapter is pick one spot that you really want your darks to be their absolute darkest mm -hmm. because anywhere where you have those spots where your darks are the absolute darkest, it's going to create the most contrast, right? And the most value. And that's going to draw the eye. Yep. So by holding that on to reserve and only making exactly where you want people to look, have the highest amount of contrast and the darkest darks and the whitest whites by holding on to that 
and only putting those darkest darks in certain spots, that's going to draw the eye to that area. Yeah. Right. So sometimes you do want to hold on to that in reserve. Um, I'm not saying don't add more dark. I'm just saying you don't always have to go super, super dark in every area. Everywhere. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely not. I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's like we're writing a story. You know what I mean? Like we're trying to tell a story through an image. You know what I mean? And I think if you can control the viewer's perception or like what to, the importance of of shapes and the importance of the subject matter and stuff like that, that's definitely a good way to do it. You know what I mean? Is to find those contrasts, those high contrast areas versus the lower contrast areas and how the light kind of like dissipates. Like we're convincing the viewer that, you're seeing an, an in-depth image, like a dimensional image, you know what I mean? Like we're tricking the eye. And that's definitely something that I think, for me, one of the best ways to do that is to realize that all I'm doing, I'm not creating the skull and I'm not creating these little antlers and things like that. I'm actually just creating like little shapes. And how are those shapes influenced by the light and like the lack of light and the form and things like that, you know what I mean? So it's really it's a really tricky thing to do sometimes. And I think I've found in my tattooing recently that that's one of the things that I try to focus on whenever I'm like getting ready to uh, tattoo is okay. Don't even think about it as the skull thing. It's no, there is no skull or how do they say in the matrix? There is no spoon, right? Yes. Yeah. There is no spoon. There's just shapes. You know what I mean? And like, I, cause I can get pretty anxious sometimes whenever I sit down to do a tattoo every once in a while. I'm like, Oh, don't fuck this up. Don't fuck this up, man. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear I'm not the only one. No, I don't think that you are. I definitely don't think you are. I think we're all kind of guilty of that. I mean, of part of it for me is the excitement of loving tattooing, but also, mm-hmm. you know, you get one shot. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's the other thing about like with, especially with black and gray, where you can really see the lack of contrast and things like that. You know what I mean? Is that like yes. one of the, one of the good things is that if you, if you need to, it's better to go light to begin with, you know what I mean? I guess yeah, you could really you do it with color too. Yeah. You can always add to, but you can never take away, you know? So that's one of the things to keep in mind. And if you're really that worried about it, definitely make sure to let the client know. I think that they would appreciate some um, honesty more so than anything else than like a fake it kind of thing. Yeah. Doing most of my larger tattoos in more than one session now. Yeah. Also helps with that because I can see how dark it is now that it's healed and I can push my darks further in certain areas to just give it a little more contrast and a little more pop. Right. Right. We're tightening lines up, you know what I mean? One of the things that mm-hmm. when I worked with Guy was watching, it's very, it's a very uh, layered kind of process where things are um, laid down very big shapes and stuff like that first. And then you go in and start adding some of the like darker, harsher lines or the thicker line, line weights that kind of help implement that, that depth. Yes. I get rid of all this neon green that I use for the sketch. I would love to just sit there in a booth and watch him work all day. Pretty incredible. Not even asking questions, just watch him work. I mean, you I'd love what? to ask him questions, of course, but I wouldn't want to disturb him while he's in his flow state. He's actually really 
easy to talk to whenever he's working. It was pretty incredible. Like I, when Jason was getting tattooed and we were watching it, Jason asked where he could set up his, his camera. And the first thing he asked was, was is this going to be educational or just documenting? And Jason was like, <laughs> informational. And he's like, well, yeah. There needs to be a one or the other. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, because he was just trying to give Jason the better option of where to put the camera so he can get a better shot of one or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like that just go. I'm just going I'm trying to like show that like he uh, he's pretty comfortable in his process and stuff like that. And he's he, uh, he actually talks like about it quite a bit. Nice guy. Super chill. Super nice guy. Super laid back, man. Those are uh, awesome. Those are some of the best people to learn from. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's awesome too. And you, you pointed out that he's using a layered approach and a layered technique. And that's something that you don't really find too many artists out there that are doing things in that manner. Yeah. You know, that are yeah. doing multiple passes over the same piece to create that kind of a layered effect. But those out there that are doing that, you can clearly see how much stronger of an image it creates. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, man. I agree with you completely. <coughs> yeah, this has been fun on for sure. Let me get rid of these guys out here. Don't like that. Yeah, but that was definitely one of the, the best, one of the, the most... Oh man, I don't even know how to say it. Like just all around, hands down, one of the coolest things that has ever happened. Just being able to sit in the same room and watch them work and work with them and stuff like that. It was crazy. Oh, I can imagine. It was to me it was extremely fascinating because you know, looking at everything that he's done and how he's evolved as an artist over the years, I found that to be the most fascinating thing. Yeah, I've I've been following guys since he was young and crazy. <laughs> like I still have the three ring binder version of the uh, of reinventing the tattoo. The first edition that when it came out mine was actually just apart. a three ring binder. Yeah, yeah. mine literally so, just fell apart. It's just pages in a folder now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so looking at that. You know, but looking at some of his earlier stuff and then watching him refine his process yeah. and watching him refine his style and his imagery, his inspiration and his um, his technique, that's what I found the most interesting. Because the guy that I got tattooed by and that Ricardo got tattooed by is a very different guy than the year 2000s guy, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, because and no one ever stays the same. We all grow, we all evolve. Well, ninety most of us do. Most of us do. Yeah. Most uh, of us we do. grow, we evolve, we we elevate ourselves to a higher level of being, right? And it the whole time I was getting tattooed, I kept thinking like this is such an incredible experience to see where he came from, where he's at now. And then I just kept thinking in the back of my head, and what's next, right? Oh, Where yeah, I see what you're saying. From here, yeah. right? Because he's already functioning on such a higher level than a lot of other artists I've met. You know, he's already solved problems 
that most other artists I've met haven't even encountered yet. Right. And he's already been there, done that and solved. Them. Yes. Same thing with guys like Philip Lou, um, you know, and James Tex and Steve Moore and like all these other greats. These guys, uh, Teresa Sharp's another one, you know, I was just um, thinking that they've already solved problems that we haven't even encountered that we can't even begin to conceptualize because we have not yet encountered that issue. And these guys have already found the answer to it. So it makes me wonder like, okay, if that's the, if that's where they've come from and how they've gotten to be where they are, where do you possibly go from there? That's an exciting thought. Um, and that just makes me really excited to see how he evolves, how all of these other artists evolve, because it, I've seen it go one of two ways. They can continue along the track that they're at, right? And they can continue to start to push things further and further and further. And I've also seen other really, really great artists that have decided to start almost backtracking and simplifying and getting back to basics and all that stuff. Look at Picasso, for example, right? Picasso could paint beautiful portraits, absolutely beautiful portraits, but he got to a point where he started to dial things back and to simplify and look at the essence of things more, to try to capture a specific image in the fewest possible elements or shapes to yeah. have it still be recognized as that image. Right? So the question That's is, true. Where, where are these people going to go from here? You know what? I think at some point it's, it's about uh, teaching. And at some point it's about like speaking about your process and stuff like that and sharing it and things like that, which Guy's always been really good about. And I think that's one of the things that he found really valuable and important is to kind of create the community around him for that reason. So it can continue to inspire and continue to change and involve him to evolve him as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a really smart thing to do. Smart smart people surround themselves with smart people. Artistic people should not that we're not smart. Of course we're smart, but artistic people should surround themselves with more artistic people. It benefits everyone. Yeah, I agree. What are you working on today, Morgan? Um, I have a fall set of nails I have to get done for a client in a couple of days. Okay. And they're rather elaborate because all the little fall leaves are being painted, hand painted, and they're going to look like they're blowing across the set. So it's going to take me a couple days to do them. Right on. So I figured I better get started now. I just finished a SpongeBob set. Hmm. That's fun. I love SpongeBob. The girl who ordered them was she's a friend of my um a friend of mine's daughter. Mm-hmm. 
And she saved her money and saved her money to be able to get one of my sets. So I, I, I couldn't even charge her the full price. She was so adorable. Can't charge a nine-year-old full price for these. I just don't, do not feel morally sound doing that. Don't blame me there. She is so cute. Her mother had bought her one of my sets to go with her um, birthday outfit, you know, as a birthday present. Mm -hmm. And she just loved them so much. She saved all her birthday money to buy another set. And I was like, I'm not charging you this much, honey. If you, I'm not telling you what I charged her because it's criminal. But really, if she had asked me, I just would have done them for free. But her mother wants to teach her the value of a dollar. That's good. Let's see. Oh, Ricardo. Yes, sir. Sorry to interrupt and switch gears no, here. You're good. Um, but I was thinking about you a lot at this past BYOB um, or needle jig meetup. Okay. Um, Cause one of the guys there had a, um, a full Philip blue bodysuit. Yeah. <laughs> you were saying that the other day, man, I was very envious. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, dude, dude, you, you have a bodysuit by Philip blue. I'm going to need you to take your clothing off right now. <laughs> I was like, well, let me break out my ones. I'll start throwing ones, but you need, I need to see this. And it's funny, his wife was standing nearby and she's like, oh, don't worry. He's not shy about it. And I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't be either. No. You have a bodysuit no. done by Philip Lou. Yeah, it's a prized possession. Yeah, that's Ooh. like coveted. I, I, I almost want to say borderline national treasure. You yeah, know? for sure, dude. Yeah, but he's also in Switzerland and we're in the U.S., so I don't know if that would be considered a national. Although I guess gifting someone from the U.S. with a bodysuit from Philip Lou would kind of be considered a national treasure. So I guess that could work. Yeah, but um, uh, but yeah, you know, it was like absolutely incredible. Uh, big shout out to Fast Alley, by the way, over at Lost and Found Tattoo. And your uh, Jeff Gogway leg sleeve, which I find Oof. absolutely stunning. Oof, how silky smooth was that thing? Dude, there were so many incredible tattoos at that show. Man, I missed it. So And it was, it, it was like, it was all of us just standing around talking about tattoos, you know, and it was great. I don't know. I love That's it. Right. But it's rad. Um, yeah, I did want to give them a shout out. Um, if you guys are watching, what's up? Yeah, I, actually, I actually want to head out to Lost and Found up in North Jersey um, to go and hang out with Fast Alley and like learn some more from her. She did a seminar on uh, nipple reconstruction for people that have had different types of surgery nice. um, and going through and like so and I, I have some more in-depth questions for her um, about doing this because she's very quickly becoming one of the most sought after people for this type of tattooing. Radical. Um, so I have, I have like a number of different, like more technical questions for her as far as, you know, okay, what am I looking at as far as like, 
um, pigment types. You know, would I want to go with something that's more permanent cosmetics line or would I want to go with something that's more just like neutral tone as far as tattoo pigment? If that's the case, is predispersed or large flake powder going to be better? You know what? I watched a TED talk about this. About what? Um, nipple tattooing. Mm-hmm. And the um, difference it makes on the, um, just the impact it makes on a woman when you, um, originally it was, when it first started in the, uh, the reconstruction part in the hospitals and they did it, they were using temporary inks that would fade after a while. Right. And that was actually more detrimental to the women than just getting tattooed with regular permanent inks. Okay. Correct. Because it didn't stay. It yeah, might look that, a little bit more natural, but it's going to have a it's going to have a shorter life life uh, shelf life on it, right? Like yeah, as right. far as the longevity of it. Right? That makes sense. I can see that. I wish I could remember the name of the tattooer who did the TED talk. I have it saved. I'll probably try to put it in the comments later. Well, what Ali was saying from her seminar was that you know there are a lot of doctors and surgeons and even nurses and other professionals out there that are getting these certifications that don't have a clue about light or form or value or shadows or texture or any Oof. of that stuff. Dang, yeah. dude, you're they bringing up a lot of good some, points here. Some are better than others, and some do have a natural artistic inclination, but most of them out there do not have any kind of a concept on the approach to recreating a nipple, right? Um, And what that takes and, okay, well, where's our light source coming from? Are we looking top-down light source? Okay, where's our shadows going to be? How are we going to make this kind of a texture here? How are we going to show that, you know, this is this area over here? You know, there's not going to be, most doctors out there aren't trained to view the world in that way. They're trying yeah. to view the human body in a very diagnostic way. And very that's clinical. fine. That is, we need people like that. Absolutely. But we also need people out there that can sit back for these reconstructive things. And it's something that I think the state governments need to get out of their head is that, oh, well, these people are doctors. They should do this procedure. Are you kidding? They They're have no training in this. They have no con. They might know the concept behind medical sterilization, and that's great. They might be told, be able to tell you the difference between, you know, different types of blood cells. Awesome. Some can perform surgery. Great. That's amazing. Um, you know, some can tell you what's going wrong with someone. That's great. They cannot understand art. And I'm not saying all of them can't. I'm saying they're not trained the same way that we are. Just like they wouldn't want us performing surgery, right? So right. why yeah. should they be able to perform something that's artistic when they don't yeah. have the proper training? Well, you know, the craziest part about like good art, good drawings is that it looks effortless, right? So a lot of people see it and they think that they can do it. It's like watching a YouTube DIY and they people go into like, you know, tear out their kitchen tear out their bathroom and do something that's like it looks effortless they can do it 
you know how many people I do that I tattoo that are um, they remodel, they refurbish houses and stuff like that. And they're like, yeah, we got called again today because this dude started his, his kitchen and he just has no idea what he's doing now. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we had to like fix everything that they did. But that's just an example like of what you're talking about. I think that some people, especially somebody in the position of having a doctor's degree, they, they think that, you know, it's the same thing. And you're right. It's not. It's definitely not, dude. It is, no. it is something that I think it does take reason- an artistic eye. It comes down to the same thing. Like I wouldn't want a surgeon to fix my car. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, bodies, you know, human bodies, you know how to fix bodies. That's great. Yeah. I don't know that, you know, about mechanics. I don't know if you know anything about the type of car engine I have. No, I don't know that. You know, I wouldn't want a, a, a gastrointestinal surgeon to work on my teeth. Right? Yeah. Because they don't have that kind of training. You know, but state governments are state governments and they feel that, you know, if you're a doctor, you can do anything. So, you know, more power to them. Um, Have fun with that. Give me a call when it needs to be fixed. State governments love to regulate tattoos, but never have a, never ask tattooers about it. Or if they are, they're asking the wrong ones. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, Joey's friends, cousins, mother's brother's second roommate, you know, knows a guy that did tattoos and this is what they said. So this is what we're going to put in here. Right. You know, it's like, listen, if you want to do this right, do it right, but put the time and effort into it. Well, go out there and do a survey. Get someone in charge of tattoo studios to go through and do random stop buys and evaluations in whatever state you're in. Mm-hmm. You know, go through and have them, you know, talk to these artists, gain information, say, okay, what's needed, what's not needed, what's ridiculous, um, and understand the process more, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Or you can listen to your friend's brother's second cousin's former roommate, you know, who knows a person that said this. You know, you can have a public, uh, someone in a position that is, that has a doctorate degree in public health, for example, which is, I believe, what most states require, or some type of elevated degree in public health. Yes. That's great if you're dealing with like, I don't know, an Ebola outbreak or hepatitis C contamination in drinking water Mm -hmm. Um, or like biomedical waste washing up on the New Jersey shore, right? Yeah, I remember Um, that. So I understand it from that perspective. But to sit down and dictate safety standards to an industry that you know absolutely nothing about, you know, to me, that's wrong. You know, and same thing with the same thing with reconstructive tattooing and um, permanent cosmetics. You know, if you don't know about that industry, 
how are you going to regulate it and how are you going to determine who has the rights to do it? Mm -hmm. Without obviously asking the people that do it for a living because they would know best. And I mean, that would just make sense to consult them on it. So we can't do that, obviously. All valid points, man. Very valid. Move this camera over here. That's better. It is a pretty incredible thing. What's that? I said I like what you're doing with those like subtle little lines that you put in. Yeah. That's really giving it a really great texture. Thank you, man. I think it's helping out with like that uh, the more elevated areas too, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Um, do we know what time it is? Because I think I have a client coming in. Yeah, it's soon. just after 11. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's 10 my time, so I got to get going here. Yeah. Okay. But uh, thank you guys so much for joining today. If we can do this. No let me problem. Stop sh- it was good to see you, boys. Yeah, let me stop sharing the screen real quick. Hold on one second. Okay, cool. Uh, let's go ahead and give uh, a couple shout-outs here, Amber. Let's start with you. Okay, my name is Amber Morgan, and you can find me on all platforms under Amber Morgan. I'm sorry I was late today. My daughter is sick, and I had to make her chicken soup. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Well, I'm glad that you got to join us anyway, so thanks for coming in and saying I'm glad I did, too. Always great having you on here. Where's the camera? There we go. Jason? Flip your phone. There you go. Is that better? Um, so I'm Jason. Yeah, perfect. I'm Jason Lisa. I lead the Sunday afternoon drawing groups here, the Reinventing the Tattoo channel, uh, the Skill Building Sunday Drawing Group, I believe it's called. Uh, you can find me every yeah. Sunday on there at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, if anyone has any issues or questions, feel free to reach out to me and hit me up on Instagram at Philly Inc. Um, or you can reach me on my fine art printing page at uh, Tattoo Art Prints on Instagram. So, Kellerman, thanks for joining, Jason. I appreciate it so much, dude. As always, thank you for having me. Yep. Uh, let me see here. I think I got to throw the camera on. All right. Uh, nice elbow. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I've been, been working on it for a while. Uh, 45 years you grow it yourself i did it's a it's a work in progress though you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. right on but uh thank you guys uh, thank you everyone for and uh for joining in the zoom or in, in the youtube and on facebook and everything like that i appreciate it very much my name is ricardo Sturdivant. feel free to reach me here or on instagram at ricardo Sturdivant. you guys have a good day happy november 1st take care peace take care